Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel this morning is from the 10th chapter of St. Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. Now, see, I I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is before you. Cure the sick and who are there and, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, today we have a special um, uh, privilege to welcome Marvin Moore as our, as our speaker this morning. Uh, as the next few weeks, we focus in on this idea of, of, uh, of seeking the kingdom of God for the sake of our community. Uh, Marvin is a face of this community and has been for many years. A number of you encountered Marvin when he was way back in, at Catawba College as a star basketball player, a hall of, became a Hall of Fame uh, standout at Catawba. Uh, since that time, he's, of course, engaged in lots of different other ways in this community. Uh, coming from a, a small town in northeastern North Carolina that he'll tell you a little bit more about later on, where he had never even heard of Salisbury, much less Catawba, he has invested his full life, his heart, his soul, his strength into this community. And so, Marvin, thank you for that. Now, of course, serving as the principal at Salisbury High School. Prior to that, we got to know um, Marvin a little bit better because of his work as principal at Eisenberg Elementary School and uh, in particular our work with the third grade reading project. By the way, just found out on Friday that we are now, as of October 18th, able to enter in as, vo- as volunteers at Eisenberg. So we will now be aggressively reaching out to you, encouraging, inviting you to participate as mentors in that very, very, very important program, walking alongside mostly third graders who are struggling to read, who uh, really are just trying to get to a place where they're reading at, at grade level. But anyway, that's just a little bit of a preview know that that's coming up, and we sure hope that you'll um, participate. But without further ado, let me introduce you to a very good friend, a very good um, just uh, champion for the sake of this community, and now a strong leader at Salisbury High School, Marvin Moore. I'm hoping and praying that everybody here is, uh, is having a wonderful day. It's a beautiful day outside. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, wanted to say before I do anything, I like to always give the head of the house uh, recognition and honor. Uh, Pastor Rhodes is, in my opinion, one of the best men that I've ever met. And when I say this, I don't say it lightly. He is one of the best men I know. And to do what he does in the capacity in which he serves in this, this service, in this uh, church, in this community, uh, it's one thing to be a preacher, it's another thing to, and to be a pastor, but it's another thing to actually do what you're asking everybody else to do. So he is, he epitomizes what the word, the phrase servant leader means. And I would love to say thank you. If you guys would please honor him with your claps. He is, 
very, very different. There are, uh, I've always been told if you don't realize how good something is until you lose it. And so we want to celebrate it while we have it. You have one of the best men and leaders in this county. And I want to make sure you guys understand that's not just because I'm up here speaking today. He is a change agent. And he is very meticulous about what he jumps in. But when he jumps in, he's all the way in. And he really does a good job. And he uses whatever resource and influence to be able to help. And so I thank him for having me here today. He called me the other day. Not the other day. He said, we've been texting back and forth. And honestly, I didn't know if he was serious. So he said to me, you're going to preach. He's been telling me a while ago. He's like, you're going to be a preacher. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. There's no way I'm going to be a preacher. I, I No way. But he's not the only person that ever said that to me, right? And I'm like, whatever. I'll talk to you later about that, Pastor Rose. I get it. So he said, he sent me a text up there and said, I hear you preaching at, at the word uh, at church on Sunday. And I was thinking, he sounds like he's serious. So I thought I was coming to speak. And he said, uh, so I picked the phone up because looking at the text message, sometimes you can read stuff the wrong way. And I was like, Pastor Rose, are you serious about me preaching? He's like, I'm sorry if I didn't make myself clear. Yeah, you preaching. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? No way am I going to be preaching. I'm not a preacher. And he very, in his, in his own way, like he does with all of you, I'm sure, reassured me that I am able to bring forth the word because we all have a, a job to do. And today my job is coming here and give you some word um, and to be able to do that. So oftentimes you're being asked to do things, you're asked to be stretched outside of your comfort level. And he's a master motivator of getting people to stretch and to walk into what he felt like was good. But it's only right because he serves a God that does that to us all the time. And so that just let me know it isn't confirmation. It's, it was supposed to be this way. And so today I want to speak to you about a couple of things, but more importantly, just talk to you about how God continues to make a way out of no way. And there's a song that says, You Made a Way. Uh, by Travis Green, and I'm standing here only because you made a way. You move mountains, you cause walls to fall, and you, by your power, perform miracles. And there is nothing that's impossible, and I'm standing here only because you made a way. And I've said this, I've sing this song oftentimes, and I don't know how to sing, but my grandmother and my mother, and I think back to all the times that God really did make a way out of no way for me. The I don't know way really comes to me, and I can't look over here because my wife is here and my beautiful kids, and I am oh so grateful, oh so grateful, oh so grateful, oh so grateful that he continues to make a way for me and the people that I love the most. So if you notice that I'm talking to you guys over here today, it's not because I don't like you over here, it's only because I love them in the front a whole lot more, and I can't look at them right now without tearing up, so if you want me to get through this, just oblige with me. I'm sorry in the back, okay? And so starting off, I'm from a Hosky, North Carolina, northeastern part. Who, who knows where a Hosky is? Raise your hand. Oh, we got way more people in this service than the last service that know where a Hosky is. Great, because I was expecting that nobody else. We had three in the last service. There's five in this service, so we almost double that number. Great place to be from, great place to go. Um, not a lot of resources out there. But it's very good people. What many may say, the least of those are there. The least of those are there. It's not a lot of industry. 
It's not a lot of resources as it pertains to uh, technology and uh, rich uh, people who have legacies of money and things. It's really just a, a nice place to, to live. But the least of those have been there, lived there. And everywhere you go, there are the least of those. The least of those are everywhere. And so God loves to be a part of and to work with the least of those. And so the reason why I know this is that he said they're going to always be in our midst. They're going to always be around us. And not only did he say they're going to always be around us, he also told his people to make sure you go out and serve the least of those. That is your job. He didn't ask. He didn't say, I think it would be a good idea. If you don't mind working with me on this one, and I'll give you something later. That's not what he said. Say, your job is to go and work. These are the people. These are the ones. As a matter of fact, let me show you how what I mean by this. I'm going to go and be with the least of those as I walk through. Disciples, you pick up your stuff and walk with me. I'm going to go and be amongst the least of those and serve them because that's our job. And so as I teach you, your job is to learn and then go out and go get the least of those. And as I teach you, your job is to go out and learn and go out to the least of those. As you gain and and acquire things, acquire knowledge, acquire resources, your job is never to hold it. It's to go out and serve the least of those. And so the least of those, you notice I keep saying those? Watch how fast this turns around to the us. Because at some point, some of us will be or were the least of those. So when I speak today, I'm not talking to a group of people that aren't in here. I'm actually speaking to us. Because in some moments, we are the least. There are some parts of our lives that requires us to get help. No one is in here 100% whole, healthy, and never had anything that they, they, they have everything they always wanted. No one has that. A part of us is to struggle. A part of us has to struggle. If you'd ever needed anything, then what's the point of praying? You walked in here with everything that you needed all the time. You would never take serious to pray. And so we all have a situation that we've lived in, have heard about, have been touched by the least of those. And you're talking to somebody today or listening to somebody today who was at once considered to be the least of us. I'm from the northeastern part of North Carolina, again, where the resources were not rich. My mother's a single parent. My father lived two miles down the road, left us in the third grade. We lived in a three-bedroom apartment. And I know you guys have heard all these sad stories before, so I'm not going to make it sad. This is a success story. This is a because of and in spite of story. Because of God's grace and in spite of my circumstances, I'm here to stand in here and talk to you today. My mother was as strong as they can come, but she got that from my grandmother who was the mother of the church. And she made sure that everybody that came around her was in that church. And so my mother was not only my mom, she was the community mom. So in our house, three bedrooms, my mom only had three kids, me, my sister Stacy, and my sister Pam. But oftentimes it was five of us in the same house. Five of us. And the five could be my cousin Juicy. His name is William, but we call him Juicy. Okay. And then my cousin, Corey, who's used to little brother. 
But then there was also cousins who lived in Norfolk and didn't have a lot of resources as well. And they would always migrate to Aunt Helen's house. But they came knowing that there were expectations that were put in. The moment you come into Auntie's house, you're going to go to school. You're going to act like you got some sense. That's going to happen. I'm not asking you for that. That comes. You're going to act like you came from Aunt Helen's house. When you go in the neighborhood, people are going to know that this is Aunt Helen's niece or nephew, and you're going to act accordingly because when it comes back to her, it needs to look like you came from her house. Right? But isn't that what God does? He wants us to look the way he is asked us to be. So if you're a Christian, you should act a certain way. You should talk a certain way. You should receive people a certain way. There should not be a reason where somebody says, you know what, I wonder if he is really a Christian. Where did he come from? And so we're commanded because we are him. We are like him. We are his people. We are his children. And so the heirs of the throne should act like the heir. We should aspire to be, at least. And so my mother always said, you're not your circumstances. You really aren't. You're bigger than that. And I used to get mad at her. I said, Mom, I feel like an alien around here. What do you mean? All the other kids are doing this, but we can't do that. All the other kids are able to do that, but we can't do this. And this is just in my neighborhood. Now, mind you, again, remember, the resources aren't a lot. So when I say, she said, give me some specifics. All of them stay outside at 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and they get to go and go to wherever house and stay out all night long and do whatever. And that was the thing I was fighting to be able to. I was petitioning, Mom, I need to be able to do this. Because in my world, that was the biggest thing going. But she says, bigger than that. She's never seen the other bigger side because, again, she grew up in generational poverty. But she said, I know there's more for you. I know the plans for you. Plans to prosper you. I'm going to speak this word into your life. You have to be better. Because generations will come behind you. And they don't have to be the borrower. They don't have to be the least of us. Why don't you figure out a way, why don't I do this and make a way for you to be the person that's given? So it's, nope, you can't go, Marla. No way. No, sir. Don't ask again. Right? So we're moving into this world. I'm, she's training me right now these days. As an early kid, the Bible says, train a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't part from it. So she was steadfast and consistent about that. You are different. And I'm thinking, you're right, because you sure treat me different. <laughs> exactly. You are. I am. But how many of us know that it's power with words? You're smart. You're strong. You know better than that. You should do that. Marvin, you know that. Remember the way... Yeah, you can do that. And I'm going to check back on you to make sure you got it. And again, this is somebody that didn't live the different life. She just expected it to be different. And she spoke it into us that way. Constantly. You're different. And so what would happen was I would come home and my friends would come home and say stuff like, say things to us and make us mad like, you know what? You this, that, and the third. And I would go home and say, Mom, can you believe he called me? She said, he didn't lie to you. You are. You really are. You're different. He called me black. Baby, you are. You are black. Real black. Well, can you believe he said that you this? Well, baby, I am. 
I am. So here's the part of it. How about when the least of those don't realize that their least could be their best gift? And you fight it. Because some of the struggles and the scabs and the scars that you go through, they tell a story. They really do. They tell a different story. And those people who've never gone through that pay money to hear those stories. It inspires them. But who really wants to go through that? Who really, really wants to go through that? And so what I listened to pastor say to me the other day, Marvin, come and speak. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're working on, talking about the least of those. And I'm thinking, I am the least of those. I am the least of those. I've not arrived. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I am the least of those. And what's really funny is we all are. We really are sinners saved by grace. And God commands us to go out and work and till this land. I think back to my grandfather. My granddad had a garden. And he used to walk behind his plow. And I used to think my granddad was the baddest man in the world. I did. I think he was, I thought, I thought the word of my granddad, I thought he was, when I was little, I thought he was 10 feet tall. Right? His words were very strong. And when my grandmother would feed him, he would eat all the food. And he was smiling and he would sleep. Everything he did, he did hard. He slept hard. You could hear him snoring. I'm thinking, man, my granddad is big. He's bad. But he would walk and till that land. And his arms would be shaking behind that plow. And it would be breaking that ground up. And we would run back behind and say, man, look how granddad tore that ground up. Look how it tore that ground. It was all torn up. And then he would go behind and drop little seeds around it. And then he would tell us, you can't go in here at this point because got, we got to wait for the harvest to grow. And I used to think, man, he, was, he really is doing it. Like his, look, he's, his arm muscles jumping all out of his arms and working. But then when I get older, I realize his muscles were jumping because the ground was hard. It had been that way for a while. And the least of those sometimes, or the least of us sometimes, have been this way for a long time. And so anybody that's coming in to change that is going to meet some matter of friction, some matter of resistance. And if you're not equipping yourself, training yourself, physically it will have a toll on your body. But my granddad was strong, and he would hold that plow and walk behind it, and his arms would be jumping, and his training would be to, to get this right, because if I stop right here, people won't eat. If I stop right here today, my grandson won't be able to see the hard work pays off. If I stop right here, they won't be able to realize that generation of poverty can be broken with prayer. And so I can remember my grandmother saying, singing songs, oh precious, is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other found, I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And my granddad would walk behind that stuff, and he's doing a lot of the heavy work, and my grandmother's doing the other stuff. And my mom is steady pulling people in and working with them. And we spent days in church. And I'm thinking, good Lord, when is this going to stop? I got stuff to do. I really do. There's a basketball game got to go on, a football game got to go on. And here I sit in church. Sundays I'm in church. In the morning, we got a morning service. Then we got a night service. Somebody got a revival coming in. And on 
Tuesday nights, we didn't have much on Tuesday, but then on Wednesday, we had, uh, no, I take that back. Tuesday was choir practice, choir service. And I didn't sing. You heard me singing a few seconds ago. I sound terrible. <coughs> Wednesday was prayer. Thursday, we had a day off, thank God, unless somebody came in the neighborhood and somebody didn't do something right, it was prayer for that person. And they always showed up at my house. And on Friday night, we had a thing. One of our young ladies in the church came up with the idea to have Friday night prayer. All night. We spent the night in church from the age of 12 to about 15 every Friday night in church. Now, we talked about an alien the other day, earlier in the service. Can you imagine being 12 years old telling your friends that uh, you can't come to the party with them or you can't go with them because you got to go to church? And when they ask the question, when are you going to get out? Tomorrow. <laughs> no, you're joking. I'm so serious. Tomorrow. I'll be out tomorrow. For real? Yeah. And it's not like at 730, you wake up and you pray again. Saturday morning, I pray to make everybody get home. And I'm thinking, we're all riding the same van, going to the same place. We're going to be fine. Right? But my mother always felt like if we got the word in us early, I want to give you the stuff that you can use when you're not with me. So if it means that you're going to be at church on Sunday night, you're going to be here. It's not optional. If it means that you're going to be in church on Tuesday night at, at choir practice to watch us sing the same hymns, you're going to be here. If it means you're going to be here on Wednesday night to go to prayer, you're going to be here. Same thing on Friday night, you're going to be there. And then we turn around on Sunday and do it all over again. But imagine the least of those that has never been in church. I remember coaching at Catawba, and we used to have convocation. I believe it was on Wednesday. Brandy Cook told me she confirmed it on Wednesday on the last service. But I remember going to convocation because I always had clothes to go to church because I was always in church. But I remember when I recruited kids as years ago, I remember talking to one of our players. I said, man, what, what are you wearing to convocation? I said, man, I'm wearing this. You don't have any church clothes? He said, man, the only time I ever been to church, man, was to go to a funeral, man. And I wore this. But for those people who don't know that kid, some people may judge because they thought that he was being rebellious. When in all actuality, church is never a part of his schedule. So as my granddad with Teal, I'm thinking back now, I'm also doing this so somebody could see this and then I can, my grandson could go and help those who've never seen it. Because at our very best, anything that we do, whether it's through programs, whether it's through mentorship, whether it's through anything, giving, the absolute best thing that we can do for people is introduce them to God. That's what the relationship really is about. To be t- truthfully honest, that's really what it is. I want to get close enough to you, have enough relationships with you to help provide whatever gaps is in the, in the way to make sure that you can get an opportunity to get to know the true and living God. And so when we talk about serving a community, when we talk about doing what we're supposed to do religiously, it makes only sense. It only makes sense. To do it in the name of the God. You know, I'm going to tell you why I know this. 
Pastor Rose gave me a, a, some scriptures, and he said, you guys are working out of Luke this month. And it was talking about going out in the fields and harvesting. Harvesting the field. And the laborers are few, but the work is plenty. When we start talking about real work, we talk about schools. We talk about hospitals. We're talking about homelessness. Whatever's going on in society. There's a lot of work to be done. But the Bible said way back when, the laborers are few. So when he said to us, I'm going to take 70 and send you out. 70, send out. And I gave you things specific to go out and head do. Go to the homes. Do your work. Speak to them. If they offer you food, eat. Become a part of who they are. Develop relationships to create a community of Christians. So when I come back, they'll know who I am. They'll know who I am. So what I'm saying to you is this. The work that we talked about doing way back in the day, he gave it to us, is the same work that he's asking us to do today. Nothing has changed. But every time, now and then, we'll get busy in our normal everyday lives. Let's be honest. This phone helps us to stay busy. It gives us a schedule. Right? Life helps us to stay busy. It gives us things to do. It pays the bills. Work does the same thing. But if we don't start doing the other work, if we don't start tilling that land again, we don't get behind that plow, that work is not going to happen. Because remember, he didn't ask us to do this. He didn't ask us at all. As a matter of fact, he commanded that you do this. And when the commander speaks, all the people in his army or in his, in his outfit have to listen. It's not even an option. Right? My grandmother sing a song in church. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. If you really say you were in this army and you've been commanded to do this work, then why aren't we doing it? I can understand why. One, you may be fearful. But again, we got a book that says, a good book that says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind. So we can take the fear off the table. That's gone. We got, we got something for that. I'm commanded to do this work. No need to be fearful. Where should I go? What should I do? Your preacher, your man of God said, this is some stuff that we have going on right here in this community that we can fix. Simple. We can do that. And the good part about it is, this church, more than any church I've been around in a long time, you guys stay busy. If you want to get busy, you want to read something, he sends something out every day from St. John's. Things that you guys are doing in the community. Things that you're doing and, and, and to, to give back. Things that we know that's supposed to be done to help preserve and to give people an opportunity to do the ultimate thing, which is to get to heaven, to serve, and to be grateful. Because we are 
a part of, we're connected to the vine. And as the vine is getting that living water and that blood is rushing through and those leaves are constantly blooming, it's because of the blood and we're just a part of it. But our goal is really to drop other seeds. So when we leave here, the generations behind us will be able to see and live in that land of milk and honey that we may never see. But we have to continue to till that land, drop good seed in it, and make sure it's done. And this is not an easy job. Remember, that ground is hard. And it's a whole lot harder to break it up when you wait before you do it. So what I'm asking you guys today, if you've ever felt like you were in a situation where you were in the least, not in the, in the, in the, where you weren't the giver, but when you were in the least of those, remember how that felt. And you would want somebody to come to your stead. And oftentimes, I know what people will say about this when I ask, why can't you do this? And you know what they'll say sometimes? I just don't feel comfortable talking to that person. I don't feel comfortable being over there. I don't. I don't feel comfortable. But again, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. He actually told us we had to do it. But then the good part about the God we serve, he is a real disruptor. He always starting problems. Jesus, every way he went, he created havoc on systems, broke them up. Read the word, it'll show you all over. He broke, he broke a lot of barriers. But he loved the least of those. And so what I'm asking that you do today is to remember that we're not being asked to do this work. And people, some of the people that we know will directly benefit from that and will help to serve you and to help to create situations for your generations of people behind you. Because some of the least of those are right in front of you. I remember going to Catawba College. I remember it like it was yesterday. I got a phone call, and the guy called me. He said, uh, we want to offer you, we want to see if we can recruit you. And I was like, I'm not coming to Catawba. Don't even know where it is, but it's okay. I'm going to Georgetown. He said, okay, well, good luck with that. About two weeks later, I got a call from another guy at Long, Longwood College. It's in Virginia. He said, listen, I'm not going to be able to take you. I'm thinking, what? But I know a guy down in Salisbury that is looking for a point guard. I can't take you. My head coach won't take you. Have you ever told somebody no before and then have to turn around and tell them yeah later? Have you ever had that happen? The phrase humble pie, it hits real hard when you have to listen. But it was... Just by God's grace, he was still looking for a player. So I said, I'm going to come down. Remember, I said God is the ultimate disruptor. He puts us in situations sometimes that we are just not comfortable being in. And so me as a black young male from the northeastern part of North Carolina to come to Catawba College in 1995, the whole room looked different. 
Nobody spoke like I spoke. Nobody walked like I walked. You know, I got a different kind of swag. I walk a little different, right? No one ate the food I ate. They didn't know about red sausages and fried sausage. I'm like, what is this? The barbecue didn't have uh, vinegar in it. I'm from the East Coast. It's like, this is a barbecue place over here. I'm thinking, this is not barbecue. This is barbecue over here. I know I'm going to get in trouble right now, right? But none of, none of it was the same. Not to mention, nobody looked like me at all. They weren't even watching or listening to the same music. I'm listening to Alanis Morissette. I never even heard of her. I'm like, where is Luther Vandross and Lauren Hill? Where they at? I go to turn the TV on its own friends. What is friends? Where is the Cosby show? Nothing was the same. Absolutely nothing. But again, he's the great disruptor. I try to figure out every way I could to leave. On a recruiting trip, I got left at this recruiting trip. It was the first time I feel like I've ever had anything that could be racial to be done to me. I've seen it, but it, to me. I was left, and I was going to call my, I called my mom. I said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. I'm on my recruiting trip, and the boys left me. Baby, why they leave you? Because I'm black. That's why they left me, Mom. They left me. They don't want me here. She said, well, what's going to happen? I said, Coach Haggerty, God rest his soul, is coming back to pick me up. She said, he's coming back to get you? I said, yeah. I'm thinking she's going to be mad. She said, oh, the coach coming to get you? I said, yeah. I'm thinking that every time she asks a question, it's not going good for me. I can't leave. I can feel it. So the coach is coming back to pick you up. Yes, ma'am, for the third time. And the players left you. Yes, ma'am, for the third time. I didn't say that for the third time talking to you guys like this. Okay. Well, Marvin, I think they like you. Huh? You're going to stay there. You're going to stay there. Because if the coach comes to pick you up, that means he likes you. They want you there. Lord have mercy. Here I go. And then finally she said to me, let me stop you before you go there and mess this up. This school is exactly what you need. You're used to being around people that look like you, talk like you, dress like you. You will never be able to lead the nations or the masses or help to lead that if you only know one group. So stop complaining. Don't call me back. Get in the car and enjoy yourself. If they offer you a scholarship, you're going to take it. Mind you, he just told me that they were going to talk to me and offer me the job. At that time, they couldn't offer it at that point. But he said, we want to take you. So I asked him, I said, man, how much is the scholarship? I think it was $15,000. It was $15,000 at the time. I'm thinking $15,000. I know it's nothing I can say to her right at this point to make her not make me do this. Because $15,000 was way more money than she making two years. To go to school to get an education, you're going to take that scholarship, son. You're going. But I want to say to you this. That was the best decision that I've ever made outside of marrying my beautiful wife. Kataba raised me. It gave me an opportunity to see things different, to be a part of something different, to get things that I'd never been able to get before in my life. Because there were people there who really took an, a, a, a real stake in Getting behind that plow and helping to plow Marvin Moore's field. 
to break that up. Because some people say, yes, I'll do that work. And I stand before you today saying, there's a lot of other work that still needs to be done in this community. And because somebody did that for me, I feel it's only right that I continue to do it for everybody else. So while you are where you are right now, doing the work that you're doing in whatever capacity you're doing it, know that our sole jobs are to go out and work and do the work of the Lord. And sometimes that looks very different than what other people do. But you have, you've been not asked to do it. You've been called and also given orders and to be commanded to do it. So these are the things that I want you to know. And there's a song. I listen to it. it, it it's just one of my favorite songs ever. It's by Jonathan McReynolds. And it's simple. It says, may your struggles keep you near the cross. And may your troubles show that you need God. And may your troubles, I'm sorry, and may your battles end the way they should. And may your bad days prove that God is good. May your whole life prove that God is good. He's faithful. He's worthy. And his word cannot come back void. He's not one that can lie to you. So take the words that he's given you, take the commandments that he's given, and know that you are set up to give back to those who need it the most. As Christians, that's our jobs. And so thank you for having me today. I appreciate you for listening. Salisbury High School is very appreciative of the services that you guys give. Eisenberg Elementary School is the same, but I'm sure there's so many other schools in this county. Madison at North and Tanya, I believe, is here at East. We all have a job to serve the kids and the families in this community, and let's not falter on that. God bless you. Thank you for having me. God is good.